We read in God's Word this evening, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6. Our text will be the first four verses of Matthew 6. We will not reread it, so I ask that you pay special attention to those verses. Take heed that ye do not your alms before men, to be seen of them. Otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. That thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. After this manner therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Moreover, when ye fast... Be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, 
thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Thus far we read God's holy and inspired word. May God add His blessing upon the reading of His holy scriptures. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, the text that we consider this evening is part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount that He gave to His followers. And in this well-known sermon, Jesus gives instruction about what is the character of the kingdom of heaven, as well as about what are the duties, what are the responsibilities of the citizens of the kingdom of heaven. He gives what we might say are the rules for behavior within the walls of this kingdom of heaven. And what becomes evident when one looks at Jesus' instruction about behavior within this kingdom is that the rules that govern this kingdom are quite different than the rules that govern earthly kingdoms. Jesus is not simply copying and pasting the rules of earthly kings and taking those as His 
rules that govern the citizens of His heavenly kingdom. But there is a stark contrast between what Jesus Christ expects and even demands of the citizens of and of His heavenly kingdom in contrast to what an earthly king would demand and expect of the citizens of an earthly kingdom. And you are familiar already with some of these remarkable commandments that Jesus gives which would never be found in an earthly kingdom. Jesus says, Matthew 5, verse 29, here's a rule. If thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. What earthly ruler would command that? A little bit later in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus gives another striking command when He says in verse 44, But I say unto you, Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Why? That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. You can begin to see that the rules that Jesus Christ gives here are radically different than the rules of an earthly kingdom. This evening we look at yet another one of the precepts that Jesus Christ gives in this kingdom, for this kingdom. And Jesus Christ understands that the rule that He is setting forth is one that goes against the desires of man by nature. He understands that this is not something that people would naturally be inclined to do. And so understanding that this is something that is going to require change on behalf of the citizens of His kingdom, Jesus Christ introduces this with the word, Beware. It's translated in the King James 6, verse 1, take heed. Literally, beware. Be careful. I have something that I am going to call your attention unto. Beware. This is something that is different than what you have otherwise been taught. Beware. Here is something special, unique, that I am giving unto you. Beware. And what, then what does He say? Beware that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. But instead, verse 3, when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret. Beware to do your alms in secret. How contrary to the way that the man of the world gives money. Do it in secret. Secret 
almsgiving. First, we'll look at the practice that Jesus Christ requires of His disciples. Second, the motive that we are to have. And then third, the hope that we have. The practice, the motive, the hope. Jesus Christ is here giving instruction about alms. And so we do well to understand what are alms. Take heed, verse 1, that ye do not your alms before men. Then verse 2, that word alms is used again, therefore when thou doest thine alms. There are two different words that are used here, both of which are translated in the King James as alms. The word that is used in verse 1, translated as alms, is a word that means quite literally righteousness. You could translate it, Take heed that ye do not your righteousness before men. And when Jesus speaks here of righteousness, He is of course not speaking of that imputed righteousness which is given of grace unto the account of the elect child of God, whereby that child of God is declared righteous in God's sight. It's not the righteousness by which we are justified or by which we are forgiven. But instead, this righteousness here that Jesus speaks of is a righteousness that you and I perform. He says, beware, take heed, that you do not your righteousness before men. And so this is some activity then that the Christian performs. And what that word righteousness refers to is, it's a very broad term. And it speaks generally of all of the upright acts that the child of God performs, which are in accord with the law of God. We could otherwise translate it as obedience. Take heed that you do your acts of obedience, Jesus Christ says. And so righteousness then could be applied specifically to a number of different categories. One's righteousness, one's obedience could be the act of submission unto those who are authority figures. One's obedience or one's righteousness could well be remembering the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Or any one of the commandments that are given unto us in the Scriptures. And so in this first verse here, when Jesus Christ says, or speaks of doing your righteousness, He's establishing a broad or a general truth that the Christian is not to perform his works of obedience so that he can be seen by other men. And then after Jesus Christ gives the general truth in the first verse, Then Jesus goes on in the following verses to give three specific applications of that truth. Matthew 6, verse 2, gives a specific application to alms. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms. And then verse 5, he gives the next specific application of doing your righteousness with regard to Prayer, and when thou prayest. 
Thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and what follows. And then the third specific application that Jesus Christ gives about doing your righteousness is with regard to fasting. Verse 16, Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, For they disfigure their faces that they might appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. And so now we look specifically here at the Christian performing the righteousness, that is, performing the obedience of giving alms. A different word used in verse 2 than what is in verse 1. And this specific act of giving alms is what the Christian does as the Christian comes into the house of God in order to worship the Lord. As the Christian comes, the Christian is able to give freely. He is not commanded. The the amount is not commanded. But he is able to give freely to the causes of God's kingdom. The purpose of giving alms was specifically for the help of the poor. It was for the alleviation of those who were burdened down with poverty. Alms giving was a different practice than what was called the temple tax. The temple tax was something that was given specifically for the maintenance of the temple so that the priests and the Levites could have money to provide for their living, as well as paying for the upkeep of the grounds of the temple. But the alms that Jesus speaks of here in verse 2 is to be distinguished from that temple tax. It was money that was given specifically for the alleviation of those who were caught in poverty. It was for those who would not be able to pay for their daily bread, those who lacked the basic necessities of things that are necessary for life and existence upon this earth, those who were given more according to the providential hand of God, would practice giving some of their money unto the church, and then that money then would be given from the church unto those who were poor. Take heed, Jesus says, beware that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Now Jesus makes an assumption here. And the assumption that he makes is that Christians are giving alms that the citizens of the kingdom of heaven are regularly engaged in the practice of taking the money that they have earned and giving a portion of that money to the alleviation of poverty. It's assumed in this text, but it is explicitly commanded in other passages of Scripture. Luke 12, verse 33. Sell that ye have and give alms. 
Provide yourself bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, nor moth corrupteth. Similar instruction was given by Jesus Christ to the rich young ruler. Children, remember the commandment that was given to him. Go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor. And this practice of having those who were wealthier give money to those who did not have as much was not simply a New Testament practice, but it was something that was already in place throughout the Old Testament. We read of that in Proverbs. Proverbs 14, verse 31 He that oppresseth the poor reproacheth his maker, but he that honoreth him hath mercy on the poor. How important then is this practice of almsgiving in the life of a Christian? Indeed, it ought to be characteristic of the Christian that he is not concerned, first and foremost, with his own being, his own well-being, and his own protection, and his own security. But it is characteristic of the Christian that he lives his life for others. That governed by that principle of love, which looks out for others, and defends others, and seeks to assist others in any way possible, that the Christian, as he considers what to do with the monies that God has given unto him, thinks first of the causes of God and His kingdom and the poor who need that, and then trusts that God will give unto him all that he needs for himself. Jesus assumes that the Christian is giving all. But now the question is, how? In, in what manner is, are the alms being given? And that's really what this text is about, is it not? Jesus gives here a number of prohibitions about giving alms. In verse 1, He says, Do not do your alms before men to be seen of them. In verse 2, he says, Do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do. In verse 3, he gives yet another petition, When thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. And for us to understand these prohibitions that Jesus gives about the practice of almsgiving, we do well to understand somewhat about how they gave alms at this point in history. They did not have the practice that we have of taking the plate or the bag and having the deacons come forward and then pass that bag up and down the pews and you could discreetly put your money in the plate as the bag passed in front of you. But instead, at this point in history, they would give alms in a more, pub- in a more public manner. There would be a box that would be set outside of the synagogue or outside of the temple And then as the Christians would gather into the synagogue or temple for worship, they would then be able to take their money and put their money in that box, drop it into the box, as they entered into the place of worship. 
But there were different ways in which some would put their money into that box. Some would do it in a modest and as discreet of a way as possible, not calling any attention to themselves as they deposited their money. But others apparently made a great show out of this event of putting money into that box. They would stand on the corner and they would grab hold of the attention of others, possibly even sounding the trumpet in order to garner the attention of others. Now, I might think, well, that's incredibly vain and deceitful to call attention to the fact that you're giving money. But likely they would have a defense for this action. They would defend it by saying, well, I'm looking out for the poor. I'm doing this for the sake of the poor. I want those who are stricken with poverty to understand that I'm about to make a generous donation here. And so for the sake of the poor, being able to gather around and be the beneficiary of me putting this money in this box, I'm going to make a scene, make a spectacle out of this so that they can gather around and then they can quickly be the recipients of the money that I give. And so after they had drawn the attention of the crowds unto themselves, this individual would then drop his money, clank, down into the coffer it went, and the people then would stand in awe of the money that had been so generously given by this individual unto the box. It's that practice that Jesus Christ forbids. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets. To give one's money in this way warrants the charge of Jesus Christ Himself of being a hypocrite. Hypocrite quite literally means one who has pulled a mask over his face. It refers to the way in which actors would perform on the stage at the time of Jesus' ministry. At that time, actors would literally cover their face with a mask. They would do so with the purpose of concealing their own identity and concealing their own personality, and then adapting the personality of the person that they were acting out. And so it was an act of deceit, an act of hiding who I really am, so that I can put on a mask, put on a false front, while giving money in the synagogues and in the temples. The application here is, first of all, certainly to how we give in the church. When we gather into God's 
house on the Sabbath day. We are not to give in such a way that calls attention to ourselves. The seriousness of calling attention to ourselves when we give money to, whether it be the poor or to any cause of God's kingdom or even to the cause of Christian education, the seriousness of giving even as the Jews of old gave is we warrant the charge of hypocrite. We become that individual who pulls a mask over our faces, concealing our true motives and desires and putting on a false front for the sake of earning the glory of man. I had never thought of this before until studying this text, but it's possible that one could be a mask wearer, a hypocrite, right in the house of God. That as the plate passes in front of me, I conceal my identity and put on a false front so that I gain the respect of others. But it's not just about giving our alms on the Sabbath day that Jesus Christ is instructing us here about. But He's instructing us generally about all acts of righteousness which we perform. We noted that from the first verse, that that word refers broadly to all acts of obedience. How do we perform our acts? Do we do it in such a way that we want or hope that others will acknowledge what a good deed I am performing? It could be that and today the equivalent of standing on the street corner and blowing the trumpet is making use of the internet. That through social media platforms, I sound the trumpet, calling attention to what I have done, what good deed I have performed for others, how giving and how altruistic I am, in this deed that I have performed. Jesus goes so far as to say, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Hands are the members of the body. And as a general rule, the left hand and the, and the right hand work together. They work in unison. Together the hands are to grip the steering wheel. Together, the hands work to accomplish the task of the day. But here Jesus Christ says, let your left hand be ignorant of what your right hand does. That is, if your left hand had its own mind, let your left hand not know what your right hand is performing. What Jesus Christ is teaching us here is we are to practice willful ignorance 
about our giving. That when we give to the causes of the kingdom and especially to the causes of the poor, we must not dwell on that and think, oh, what a good boy or good girl I am that I've put money into the collection plate. What a generous donor I am to the causes of God's kingdom. But we are to practice willful ignorance about the giving that we have done to the poor. We must do our actions not disingenuously, but we must do our righteousness sincerely. Not for the promotion of our own ambitions, but for the promotion of the neighbor's well-being. And that leads us into the motive that we are to have when giving Jesus cautions us, yea, commands against having the wrong motive when giving. We are not to give to be seen of them, He says in the first verse. Take ye that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. And the emphasis here that Jesus gives is about the the purpose. You, You could otherwise translate this as, Take ye that ye do not your alms before men with the purpose of being seen of them. And it's the purpose here of being seen by others that Jesus Christ is forbidding us from doing. And let's understand that point clearly here. Jesus is not saying you may never do your alms before men. He's not saying you may never perform a work of righteousness before other men. He is not saying every single action that the Christian must do is to be done exclusively under the cover of darkness so that nobody else ever knows about the works of righteousness which you have done. If he were commanding that, then he would be contradicting what he had said in the previous chapter, Matthew chapter 5. In Matthew 5, verse 16, we read, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And so Jesus Christ is not here now in Matthew chapter 6, counteracting or or, or contradicting that command and saying, now every single deed of righteousness which you perform must be done in secret so that nobody else is aware of it. No, what Jesus Christ is prohibiting here in Matthew chapter 6 is this. Doing your deeds with the purpose of receiving the praise and the respect of other men. He's prohibiting here having a wrong motive when doing your works. It's inevitable that certain works of righteousness which you perform are going to be done before others. A father does that as a father leads his family in devotions. The father, before the presence of his wife and his children, leads 
his family in that holy activity of prayer. And so right there, the Father is doing a public activity. But the question is, what is your motive? And it's the motive here that Jesus addresses. And it's the wrong motive that Jesus forbids. Do not let your motive be so that you will be seen of men. Doing it so that you will be seen of men does lead to a reward. It's a wrong reward, but there is a reward. And that's why it's enticing, is it not, for us to do our almsgiving before men? Because we want that reward of men. Jesus says at the end of verse 2, Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. And what is that reward that comes from men that you can receive if you give your alms publicly in front of them? The reward is the glory of men. Jesus tells us that in verse 2. Do not sound the trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. The reward that they have is the glory of men. And the glory of men consists of the respect and the admiration of other men. And that's not hard for us to understand that you could gain the respect and the admiration of other men by publicly showcasing the deeds of righteousness which you have done. Imagine back in Jesus' day when a generous donor would come and gather the poor around Him and drop His money into the box. How thankful all of the poor people would be. They'd be gushing over that individual. Thank you so much for your generous donation unto us. All it took was dropping a few shekels into the plate or into the bucket. And the poor would respect Him. But it wouldn't just be the poor that would give their respect, that would give glory unto the donor. It would also be the fellow rich man. As the rich neighbor watched the other man go and put the money there in that public box, the fellow rich man would admire the fact, wow, how altruistic he is, how giving he is, that he cares for those poor people. Ah, if only we would all be more like that rich donor. How tempting it is to give with the purpose of having other men glorify you. And you can get it. You don't have to work hard to get this glory of man. 
Jesus Christ says, Verily I say unto you, they have, present tense, they have their reward. Those who give in such a way that calls attention to the fact that they're performing this deed, they will immediately receive the reward of the glory of man. And who cannot say that that has no temptation to me? Who would say, I don't want at all to have the glory and the respect and the admiration of the neighbor? And yet, how fickle is the admiration and respect of the neighbor. They give it one second, but then the next moment when the neighbor doesn't like something that you do, he withdraws his respect and his admiration. And so Jesus Christ with wisdom says, do not do your alms before men so that you might be seen of them. They have their reward for a moment, but then that reward is taken away from that. So what then is to be our motive, both in almsgiving and generally in the works of righteousness which we perform? Motive for the Christian always is and must be the glory of God. If it is not, to receive the glory of men, then the only alternative is for the glory of Almighty God. We are to give our gifts and give of our monies unto the church with the intention that God would use this money for the alleviation of the poor in the church of Jesus Christ. We give to the church in order that God would use this money for the extension of the Gospel. So that God would use this money for the upbuilding, for the gathering, for the defending, and for the preservation of His church upon this earth. We give this money with the prayer that God would use the money in the way that God deems best. And if God is pleased to use the money in a different way than what perhaps I would have hoped or wanted that money to be used, then with humility of heart, we trust that God will use that money that's donated, that's given, in a way which is best in His wisdom. We give. And we give in a way that shows that we know that we belong unto God. That in body and in soul we are His possession. And thus, we are called to be stewards of everything that God has entrusted to our care. We give. Understanding that where our treasure is, there our heart is also. 
we give. Understanding that everything that we have comes from God. That He is the One who has opened wide His hand unto me. And because He has dealt richly with me, now I am able to give out of the thanksgiving of my heart to the church and to the poor. Is it wrong then to seek a reward? We understand it's wrong to seek a reward of men But it's noteworthy that in this text, Jesus Christ does not prohibit the seeking of any reward. In fact, Jesus Christ in this text sets before us the promise of a reward. Both the giver, the hypocritical giver, as well as the sincere giver, receive a reward. We saw already the reward given to the hypocrite. Verse 2, Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But then note as well that Jesus speaks of a reward for the faithful giver. Verse 4, That thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret Himself shall reward thee openly. Reality is God does take note of the alms that the faithful, humble child gives. He doesn't forget the amounts that were given. We might forget. In fact, we said we should be willfully ignorant of the amount that we give. But God doesn't forget the amount that the Christian gives. Acts 10, verse 31, Peter said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard, and thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. God gives unto us then the encouragement that He will reward the alms which the Christian gives to the sake of, for the sake of the poor. It is a reward not that the Christian has earned by His works, or by His generosity, or by His acts of obedience. It is a reward of grace. But it is a reward that the Christian may be confident that in grace, God will give unto him. That's the hope that we have. That God not only sees the alms which are given, and God not only counts and has numbered the alms which are given, but also that God will reward these alms. The God, the Father which seeth him in secret, himself shall reward thee 
openly. What confidence the Christian may have that God will reward him. And the confidence that we have is greater than any confidence that an earthly investor could have. When an individual uses earthly money to invest into an earthly cause, we speak of levels of risk. That there can either be a low-risk investment or a higher-risk investment. And with the lower risk, there's a higher possibility of getting a return. With the higher risk, there's a possibility that you could lose your investment, although the hope being with the higher risk investment that you could get more money in return for the dollars that you have invested. Well, the reality is, beloved, that even what the world would call a low-risk investment is relatively unstable in comparison to the security of the expected reward from the Lord. Jesus Christ does not say in this text, give your alms secretly and you might receive a reward. He does not say give your alms in secret and there is a good possibility. It's a low-risk investment and so there's a good likelihood that you will receive a reward. But Jesus says, when thou doest thy alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thy alms may be in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. The reward of which the Christian is confident is the reward of being counted a member in God's family. That's the reward according to Luke. Luke 6, verse 35, But love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great and ye shall be the children of the highest. For He is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. That's the reward. That God will count you as part of His family. Already now, God does number you as one of His sons and of one of His daughters But what we await yet is the full realization of the blessings of being in the family of God. And that full reward of receiving all of the blessings of being a child in the family of God is what the Christian awaits. We are confident that we will receive this reward, as we said before, not because of our own works. And let us not imagine for a moment that the more that I give unto the causes of the kingdom, that therefore the more then I will receive from God. 
that if I give more and more to the kingdom, that then God will elevate me to a higher position in His family. No, for the reward is not of merit, but the reward is of grace. Luke 6, verse 35 ends that way. For He is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. The reality is even the best works that the Christian performs upon this earth are still tainted and corrupted and polluted with sinfulness. Even that act of almsgiving, sitting in God's house on the Sabbath day and giving money unto the poor, how easily we can become distracted. How easily we can become proud. Or how easily we can become judgmental of others. When we look around and see others perhaps not even putting any money in the plate. Even the act of worship is tainted with sin and with evil. And so the reward is not because we have earned it, but the reward is because of the finished work of our elder brother. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ condescended to this earth and took on human flesh not so that He could gain the glory of men, not so that He could gain the admiration and the respect of those to whom He discipled, if anybody would have had opportunity to have called attention to himself, it would have been Jesus. For he was perfect. He always performed his deeds in uprightness. But Jesus Christ did his alms in secret. How often? Did not Jesus Christ escape from the crowds to go out into the wilderness to be alone with His Father? And then He performed His alms in secret, especially during the three hours of darkness upon the cross. When God covered the earth with a thick blanket, so that no one could see what Jesus Christ was doing. No lips to encourage Him. No mouths to praise Him. Nobody who could even understand what He was enduring. There. During the three hours of darkness, in grace, Jesus Christ paid His alms in secret. May God give unto you faith to believe the finished work of Jesus Christ. And out of gratitude for what He has done for you, to give your alms for the glory of our Father who is in heaven. Amen.
Let us pray. Father and our God, we love our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave His life to be a ransom for many. Wilt Thou give unto us His poured out Spirit, whereby we cry out, Abba, Father, by which we know that there is a reward which awaits us when at last Thou wilt take us off this earth and bring us into our final resting home. A reward earned for us through the suffering and the death of our beloved Savior Jesus Christ. May we be faithful unto Him. May we be fervent disciples laboring in His kingdom for the glory of Thy name. Amen.